Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. But if Mike is correct with the reports that Giannis is about ready to win his second NBA MVP award in a row, how cool is that? It would be the first Bucks player, I guess, to win two MVP awards. And when you think about, you know, the, the history of the Bucks franchise goes back to what, 1968, 1969, and they had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar who played for him. Think of all the great Bucks players that have played over the years, and, and to win two, much less two in a row, is correct. It, it's just absolutely amazing. And, you know, and this, I, I don't mean to be critical here, but if you know, he's an amazing ball player. There's no question about it. If he could ever develop like a reliable 15-foot jump shot, I'm not trying to be flip about it. I mean, he, he's, he's a great, great player. But if he could ever develop that reliable 15-foot you know, jump shot and, and make 8 out of 10 free throws, it, it would be, he, would be, he would be the next Michael Jordan. There's no question about it. You with me on that one, Jordan? I think so, but I really think this team, you know, needs a new point guard. I think oh, that's yeah. the number one thing. I don't think you need to make jumpers if you have a point guard making shots. Well, right, but I'm I'm saying as far as Giannis is a basketball player, I I think if if he could, as great as he is, develop like I say a reliable jump shot and be able to make free throws, you, you would have to. You'd be talking about him at the end of his career in the same way you talk about a Michael Jordan and a LeBron James and, and, and literally the greatest of all time. He's, he's that good. And that's not, by saying that again, I'm, I'm not trying to, to, you know, diss him at all. He's an amazing player. But the last two playoff series, it's, it's, the weaknesses in his game. And that's, and I mean, he's an amazing player, but the weaknesses in his game have been exposed. You know, the teams just block, stop him from driving and, Right now, he's just not able to reliably knock down those 15-foot shots or the three-point shots a la Jordan, and the rest of the team's not able to create enough for him, and that that's that's the problem. I don't disagree. I think they need a point guard, and I suspect they're going to go out and get a point guard, would be my guess. A Chris Paul, maybe? I don't know about Chris Paul. I, I, I guess I don't follow the NBA close enough to have an opinion, but um, I think they're... I think in retrospect, if they look back on the season, maybe paying the money to Malcolm Brogdon would, Brogdon would have been, not letting him go to Indiana, would have been perhaps the thing to do. But easy to say. I'm just thankful I'm not the general manager making those decisions. I mean, I know you're paid to do those, you make those decisions, but still at the same time, I can't even imagine the amount of stress. Well, yeah, except I, I think with the, the ownership here, they money really means nothing. <laughs> I mean, I think they they, they want it. They they want, I know that's silly to see, but silly to say. But you're talking about people who are billionaires, and they you know at, at the end of the day, okay, so you gotta you gotta pay some luxury tax or whatever. Nobody likes to do it, but if you're really all about winning a championship, and I think they are, you end up paying the money. So I think the Bucks team is going to look a little bit different next year. But again, I, I don't want to get distracted. Kudos to Giannis. It appears he's going to win his second MVP award in a row. It is a very very well deserved award and if he continues to improve like i say you might be looking at one of the greatest of all times all right there's two stories that that come together and i want to start off the program with and 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 here's where i'm going with this and i want you to think about it president trump is getting all sort and i look i understand president trump is a a very divisive figure there's people who just don't think he can do anything right at all and there's people who think he he can't do anything wrong so i I understand that and the reality is that the truth is somewhere in between he's getting a lot of flack 
for his response to coronavirus. Matter of fact, there's a story today in the Washington Post. You have um, a woman who was on the the pandemic task force, and, and she left a few months ago, and, and she's out giving interviews, you know, just ripping President Trump and saying, you know, he's he, he just he mishandled this, you know, from the beginning. I think he was concerned about the economy and his reelection, not the health and safety of the public. And she's giving lengthy interviews about that. And she's saying, oh, he just he just didn't take this seriously enough from the beginning. OK, let's put that aside for a second. What, what is the story today in Wisconsin? The story is that coronavirus cases yesterday reached an all time high. You had 2000 people test positive. And yesterday was not an aberration. You know, we've seen over the last couple of weeks, you, you've seen record numbers on almost an almost daily basis of people who tested positive. Now, this is in September of 2020. People are testing positive in record numbers. We have the Tony Evers mask order, which has been in place for the better part of, again, going on on two months. The, the mask edict, we've talked about this before, when you look at these numbers, there's only one of two conclusions you can draw, and one is that masks aren't all they're cracked up to be, or secondly, people, knowing everything we know, still aren't wearing the masks. I mean, other, there, there's no conclusion otherwise. We're, we're looking at record numbers. On top of that, we, we know we, we've had six months. You know, we, we shut down the economy. Then we started to reopen it. We we know, and I think everybody knows, the various risks of, of COVID-19. If, if you don't know the various risks and how they play out in your particular age group, well, you know, you, you've been, you know, living in mom's basement since, since March happened. So we, we know a lot of stuff. We know a lot more about COVID-19 than we did six months ago. We know how it's spread. We know what the recommendations are, social distance, wear masks, all these things. And yet people in Wisconsin are still getting, coming down with COVID in record numbers. Now, why why is that? Well, I mean, part of it is lots of young people who, despite knowing that they're supposed to wear masks and knowing that they're supposed to social distance and knowing that they're not supposed to hang out and go to those keggers at the colleges, that's they're, they're still doing it. They're throwing caution to the wind and they're getting sick and they are taking that risk because they figure in most cases, particularly if you are younger, you're, you're going to get it. You're not going to feel great for a little while. You're going to have the sniffles. You know, maybe you'll have some respiratory things. You'll have a cough, but you're going to get better. And, and that's how it plays out for the vast majority of people, but certainly not everyone. But in any event, knowing all that we've known over the course of the last six months, knowing what people are supposed to do to take care of themselves, etc., people aren't doing it. I mean, at least large numbers of people aren't doing it. 2,000 positive tests yesterday. 2,000, a record number, and this is six months into this, which brings me back to where I started with. All right, President Trump is being criticized for a, a failure to appreciate the significance of this early on and, and not being upfront with the American people. Here is my question. Given everything we know now and given all the numbers that we are still seeing, is there really anything that President Trump could have done in January and February and March which would have changed where we are now? 
Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And look, I don't intend this as as a defense of the president's reactions early on. I, I don't intend that. But but I, I'm trying to figure out, okay, is there is there anything he could have done in March that would have stopped us from getting where we are now? And the more I look at it, I, I keep saying, okay, what would that possibly have been? Okay, you may, should we have should we have closed the country to chi- to China a, a week or two earlier? Okay, maybe. Would, would that have changed where we are now? Because we eventually did close close the border. If he had come out and been more aggressive, saying we're going to wear masks, even though CDC wasn't saying that in the beginning. All right, would that have changed anything from where we are now? Because now we've got mask mandates all over the country including in Wisconsin, and you're still seeing record numbers. Wasn't this inevitable, given the nature of this disease and given just the way people react? Could Trump, in real the real world, could he have done anything different, and what would that have been? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Again, I don't intend this as a defense to the president's reactions to it, but in the real world, I don't know what he could have done in February or March, which would have changed where we are now. What do you think? We discuss in just a moment. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with your calls in a moment. See, I, I don't defend this as a response to the president's early response to COVID-19. But but I do ask this question. And, and it's, all right, what, what could he have done differently in February or March that would have changed where we are now? Oh, he should have encouraged people to wear masks sooner. Okay, well, now we, we tell people to, to wear masks. We have mask mandates. And yesterday you had 2,000 positive cases in Wisconsin. So, I, I mean, all right, people, either they're not wearing the masks or the masks aren't the be-all, end-all that they're supposed to be. I, I don't know. I don't want to debate masks. But you know, we, we now know all this stuff about COVID. We, we know who it affects mostly. My sense is that you know people are just making decisions. Younger people are saying, okay, we're invincible. We're invulnerable. We're willing to take these risks. The number of hospitalizations is, is down. It's flat because I think a lot of older people are trying to be smarter. Hey, we don't want to get at this because we know it can have a more adverse reaction. But what could Trump have done differently, if anything? Tony on the north side. Tony, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. How Hi, are you? Good. Uh, Jeff, I don't think there's anything he could have done. Just remember when he when he did try to stop China from their flights, uh, they, the opposition, everything, people were yep. upset with that. Yep. And don't forget what happened in January and February of this beginning of this year Congress spent every second, every minute of a day trying to impeach him. Well, yeah, no, I, I mean, th- you're, th- let, let's talk about the first thing, the first point you made, Tony, and, and you're right. You know, that w- When he first started talking about, like, shutting down the, the country from visitors to China, you, you had this huge uproar coming out of Congress. Oh, you, you can't do that, etc. Now, I think, in retrospect, we can... We can make a strong argument that, you know, we probably should have shut down the country a week or two sooner. I, I think you can make a strong argument for that. And if you want to blame the president for it, OK, blame the president for it. But how does that change, you know, where we are in in September? I mean, it, it doesn't. Maybe it, when it stopped a few people, a few less people might have been exposed to this. And so that that accounts for maybe April and May. But here we are in September and you're still seeing the, these numbers. I just don't think you can lay this on the president. I don't think you can lay it on any sort of politician. It's just that 
people are making their own. First of all, this is something that it, it spreads extremely easily. And secondly, people are making their decisions. The younger people, like I say, they're they're saying, OK, we, we know we shouldn't go to the party with 200 people. But you know what? We're going to the party with 200 people to heck with this. Dan in Sheboygan. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hey, good afternoon. I just don't uh, believe that there's, you know, that he should be blamed for anything because there's nothing he could have done. There's, I mean, if you or I were in his position, I mean, there's just, there's nothing we could have done. Right. Well, I mean, I know some people are saying that if he had come out early on and acknowledged the severity and, and essentially said, OK, this is this this is the top health priority. You know, we, we need to everybody needs to wear a mask that, that maybe it would have changed stuff. I mean, I'm just not convinced of, of that. I, You know, people know you're supposed to wear masks and still people don't do it. Right. But but the other thing is, too, at the beginning, you know, this was so premature that we didn't have any facts. We didn't have any proof. Yeah. And I, I you know, I, I'm going to just tell you something. I went to that rally in Sheboygan. I talked to four people that lost spouses and all those people were were blamed. Their death certificates of their spouse said for COVID and they had nothing to do with it. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, thanks. I mean, well, they, what they do, and again, I, I, see, I, I, I don't want to even get into the argument about whether the the effects are inflated or not, and and whether a ninety three year old with congestive heart failure who also has COVID, whether or not COVID was the cause. I, 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 but look, this is an insidious disease. There's no question about it. Now, the good news is most people that get it recover. The really good news is that the numbers are spiking now because of young people and most of the most, not all, but most young people who get it, they they have the sniffles, they have a sore throat and then they get better. But but nobody wants to get it. I'm just saying, is is it reasonable to expect anybody, whether it be President Joe Biden or President Donald Trump or President Barack Obama, is it reasonable to expect any elected official to have done anything that would have changed where we are now? Because knowing everything we know about COVID, we're still seeing enormous numbers. Let's talk to um, Mary on the south side. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Oh, hi, Jeff. Hi, Mary. My uh, my opinion is that he would have been damned if he did, damned if he didn't. If he, uh, you know, took the bull by the horns January or February and, you know, put all these mandates and had the governors do all the mandates, and now all of a sudden this COVID thing just fizzled out, he'd have been you know, criticized for, oh, my God, he overreacted, and now he shut the economy down over nothing. But he reacted, you know, later on, and now he gets criticized because now it's widespread. Human nature is human nature, and you, you can have a mandate. You can do whatever you like. Right. People are going to do what people are, are want to do with that. Which is, which is, I see, and, and, and right or wrong, I agree with you, Mary, that that's the only thing I can think of to explain the numbers that we're, we're having now, like on college campuses. Cause you have, you know, you, the campuses, they've got the rules, you're supposed to wear the masks in class, et cetera, et cetera. And yet we see large groups of younger people who are, are partying. They know they're not supposed to, but they're doing it anyways. And, you know, you, you know, you, you can give all the people the warnings all they want, but if they don't follow them, what can government, what can any leader do? Nothing they can do. People are going to be people. Kids are going to be kids, and they're going to do what they want to do, whether there's a mandate or not. No, th- thanks for calling. Again, I, I think, um, I, for example, I here's I, one of my texters who's a frequent critic of the president. Jeff, Trump took too many golf trips and held too many rallies in February or March. He should have been focused on the virus. And 
us citizens, not himself, he failed us. Uh, okay, but that's that doesn't answer the question. All right, if you want to say he, he didn't react strongly enough in, in February or March, he didn't appreciate the significance of this in February or March, okay, fine. I, I, let, let's accept that as a given. How does that change where we are now? I mean, it's it's is there anybody out there who doesn't appreciate the significance of COVID-19? I, I think, you know, we, we all get it, or at least most of us, I, I think, get it. Some people are just deciding that, you know, we we're going to do what we're going to do. And to what Mary was saying, it's like, you know, people are people. You, you, there's only so much that you can force as far as stuff happening. And I guess I, I look, I, I appreciate that, you know, you can look at the president and say, OK, his attitude was cavalier on all this type of stuff and he should have taken it more seriously. OK, fine. Even if that's a given, does that change the numbers that we have now? Back, we're going to continue this for at least one more segment. Uh, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. A text here. Jeff, Canada and the rest of the world is doing so much better than us because leadership took it seriously and led their countries. Well, okay, you're entitled to your own opinion, but not your own facts. The rest of the world doing so much better than us. Have you paid attention to what's going on in Europe? I mean, Europe has had huge spikes in, in many of the countries of, of COVID-19. It's not like this problem has gone away in the rest of, of the world. And lots of European countries are now looking at what their plan B is because they recognize that it hasn't, what they've done hasn't solved the problem. They're looking at spikes as well. And again, I... My only point here is, is there anything that anybody could have done which had stopped us in February or March doing that, which would have stopped us from being where we are now, I guess short of completely and totally shutting down the, the country and telling us all to hunker in our basements and have no interaction with anybody and then just completely and totally cratering the economy. And I, I look, it, it's we're in a bad situation. I'm not trying to downplay it, but... Okay, everybody's saying, well, or at least some people are saying it's Trump's fault. Oh, this, this is what he did. Well, what could he have done that would have been different? We continue the conversation in a moment. Okay, here's here's an email from uh, Greg. Jeff, COVID prevention is very much a personal decision. Masks, social distancing, all do work, but not everyone does it. I think the president's specific actions were probably similar to what any president would have done. However... What could Trump have done differently? I think his biggest failure was not an action, but his attitude. It's just the flu. It'll go away. All these storylines created the political COVID situation we're in now. There are thousands of people out there who think it's not a big deal and don't need to heed the mask and social distancing rules because from day one, we were told it's just like the flu. 855-616-1620. Let's talk to Lamar, who is calling us from Orlando, Florida. Lamar, good afternoon. Hey Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Hey, sure. Um, did you I'm get hit? Did you, did you get hit by the uh, hurricane? Did you get hit by the hurricane? I did not. I okay. did not actually. I was in. Uh, I was in. The, uh, it didn't hit Orlando. So, uh, but a friend of mine that lives in Alabama did take a direct hit. Okay. Uh, so he's kind of dealing with that. Got it. Okay. Um, what do you think? But in event, um, I think the so in everything in, in our country, everything's political, right? Uh, and I think that the president's cavalier attitude in the beginning and his lack it, that 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 made a difference. Um, and I know most of my observations are anecdotal, but I want to point out something. Um, the, the previous uh, uh, comment that you referenced, um, a lot of folks did didn't think it was serious. Mm-hmm. Um, they thought they they still don't think it was serious. I want to I want to kind of really quickly point out that in New York, a, a state that has like four times the population of Wisconsin, is down to about 700 cases a day, while Wisconsin is over 2,000 cases a day. And in Florida, we're still over 
um, 3,000 cases per day. And, and again, New York, which is like ground zero, they've managed to maintain that literally for the last few months with no spikes. And what do you, tri- what do you attribute that to? What do you, why do you think that's happening? Uh, because everything's partisan. Our president, he didn't take it seriously. He didn't take it seriously, and, and, and that's, that's the tone. No, but why do you think New York, okay, New, New York, the numbers aren't going up. Florida, Wisconsin, they are spiking. I mean, why, why do you think that is? Leadership, leadership. And Florida, our governor follows the, they, he follows the lead of the president. He did. He didn't. He didn't come out saying this was serious and let's take it seriously. In Wisconsin, you have the partisan divide between a Democratic governor and the Republican legislature that is, you know, tugging people to the left and the right, and they're just not taking it seriously. Okay, like, that that leadership matters. Okay, all right, good enough. Thanks for calling. I mean, I, I think that I, candidly, I think Lamar, you you make the the best argument that that I guess is out there is that that. By by not saying okay, this is this is going to be the plague of of twenty twenty. Uh, maybe you have people who who don't believe that it's serious. At the same time, I, I don't know. I mean, is there anybody out there? All all these college kids or or the young people, the people in the eighteen to twenty four, the twenty one to thirty age range who are, are testing positive? Is it because? Some political leader, whether it's Tony Evers who's saying wear a mask, or Donald Trump who's saying a couple of months ago, oh, this is just like the flu. Is is that really what's driving their behavior now? <laughs> you know, and and again, I, I think I look back and I can say, okay, maybe you can understand some of this political wrangling, and maybe that can explain some numbers in March and April. But by now, haven't aren't we all locked in on on this? And for people who are saying, well, look at Europe. Well, you, you look at a lot of countries. You look at a lot of the countries in Europe, and and again, they're starting to see spikes as well. I don't have an answer to this. I mean, ultimately, I think the answer is is the vaccine, and I think it's going to be with us until then. But but people are are people, and regardless of what leaders say, people are going to do what people are going to do, aren't they? Let's talk to, um, let's see, we'll go to uh, Vincent on the northwest side. Vincent, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Jeff. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say, you know, like like Jesus said when he was on the cross, forgive them, Father, because they know not what they do. The fact is, is that if 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 people aren't following what they need to follow because the president decides he's going to uh, lie to the American American people, you know, uh, all I'm asking for is uh, my politicians to tell me the truth, to basically give me the facts so I can have a, make a cogent decision about how I'm going to live my life. Now, if you want to, if you want to be a kid that wants to go to to three or four uh, uh, graduation parties and you know that you have you, you, that you infected by this particular virus. That's stupidity. Right. That's, that's ignorance and stupidity. It's just like if you go to a doctor, Jeff, if you go to a doctor and the doctor says, and you're not feeling what the doctor says, well, you're pre-diabetic, and these are the things you have to do. You're going to have to lose weight. You may right. have to change your diet and things of that sort. Now, you can leave that doctor's office and say, forget what he says. I'm going to continue to do what I'm going to do, right? Mm-hmm. And, but, the, but the point is he gave you the facts. He gave you the truth. Now, if he if he told you, hey, you're feeling fine, 
And it's nothing. It's nothing. You get over it. Go out here and do what you do. Do the same thing you're doing, and all of a sudden you get full blown diabetes. Right. And you come back and say, Doc, you should, you, why didn't you tell me? Well, you know, I I, 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 I didn't want to scare you. Okay, and and, <laughs> I, and, see, and and I and I appreciate what you're saying. Um, and and maybe that explains the behavior that some people engaged in in, in February and March and April at the beginning. But but the, these numbers. These numbers that are going on, for example, this week and, and, and this month, is, is it attributable to the actions of the president or anybody else? Or is this just people making their own decisions, smart decisions, stupid decisions, whatever? These are people at this point at this point in time is people out here making stupid decisions. But the president still is the leader of this country. And the fact is actions, actions are almost even better than words. And the fact is his actions, when he holds these rallies, when he holds these rallies, it's showing that he has a disdain for the he has disdain for the truth and he and he doesn't care about what happens to the people. So no, no, it it you no know, it's the people right now because they do have the truth that they know this virus is dangerous. Right. Okay, now thanks for calling. Again, I, I that's that that's kind of where I'm I'm going with this because I mean I I understand you can criticize perhaps fairly that I, I I don't know if Barack Obama had been in office would would he have done something differently in February or March I don't know if Joe Biden had been in office in February or March would he have done something differently we you know we we don't know about that I guess my point is only regardless of what happened in February or March given the fact that the numbers are still increasing dramatically. And again, the good news is the people that are getting sick, and I understand you don't want anybody to get sick, but the people who are getting sick aren't people in the vulnerable age group, so that's why you, you don't see the, the hospitalizations going up dramatically. You don't see the deaths going up dramatically. Um, but again, I, I just I kind of come back to this. Is there anything that anybody could have done that would have made coronavirus go away? And to the point about people who talk about Europe, like I say, look at what's going on in Spain now. Look at what's going on in, in Great Britain. Look at what's going on in Italy. Look at what's going on in, in France. You're seeing a recurrence of this. So even if you want to point to some European countries who you think were more aggressive early on, it hasn't gone away. And that's it's unfortunately not going to go away until you, you get a vaccine and you develop that herd immunity. Let's talk to Robin in Elkhorn. Robin, thanks for waiting. Good afternoon. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Is it fair to blame the president I, for where we are now? I am like kind of mixed. Part of me is yes, because he um, came out like the other caller said and he wasn't very, um, you know, he lied and mm-hmm. didn't give us the information to make our own choices. And, but the other part of me is like, you know, obviously people are going to do what people are going to do. As we're but seeing at now, yeah. Point, <laughs> and at the same point, though, he still doesn't wear a mask. And I've ran into people. I live in a highly Republican area. Right. I run into people and, I, you know, I'm a nurse, so I wear a mask. And I'm like, why don't you have your mask on? You know, like at a gas station, you know, because it says masks are required. And they're like, well, the president doesn't. Right. So it's like he's still giving that example that it really isn't that bad to some people. And they believe that they don't have to wear it. Despite, so despite, me, despite like, everything that's going on over the last six months and all the images and things like that. They so, think it's a lie, though. They don't believe that mm-hmm. even... You know, you run into people that still don't think that COVID is that bad. They think it's like the flu. Mm-hmm. 
and it's like it's not the same. Got it. <laughs> you, you know. No, so I, I. I just think it's a little bit of both. No, where I, some people are going to do what they want, but at the same time, he has to lead by example, mm-hmm. and a lot of people do look up to the president. Mm-hmm. And whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, they have to try to set that example of what's important. Yeah, and I, I think that's a fair comment. I guess I'm just looking at, you know, when, when you look at the, the where the huge spike in numbers are coming in Wisconsin and across the country, it's it's the college-age kids. It, it's the younger people who are, are making the decisions to go to the keggers and to, you know, to, to go, yeah, let's have yeah. 3,000 people that are going to go to this concert and be shoulder to shoulder and do all that type of stuff. And I guess my only point is I'm, I'm having trouble in the real world, believing that, oh, you know, President Trump kind of downplayed this, and so we're going to be okay. I just think it's more people are saying, well, we I, don't care. I also I also agree with that on the standpoint that I have a 24-year-old son, and I have a 21-year-old son and a 20-year-old daughter, and all three of them wear masks. Right. And my thing is, is yeah, it comes from the president, but it also comes from parenting saying, right. hey, you know, this is a mandate and this is important. This is why you need to be doing this. And if people are believing Trump and the parents are believing Trump and then they tell their kids or, you know what I mean? Like it all starts at the top. I'm curious, Robin, you say you say your kids all in this this age range where we're seeing the spike. um, What what about their peers? Because because I I mean, are are a lot of their or or don't don't you know? I mean, because my guess is there's a lot of kids out there that just decide, you know, what the heck? (laughs) We're 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 going we're going to go out with one of these parties. I would say it's a mix. Some of them are like, well, even if we get sick, it won't be that bad. And then I try to explain, well, yeah, you may not get that bad, but you could bring it to somebody else that it could have a severe effect on. Um, But it's like, you know, being 18 to 25, I've been that age, and you think you're not going to get, you know, or it'll be fine. Right, or, or, yeah, I I should do this. I probably shouldn't go to that party, but darn it, there's a really cute guy or girl, right, (laughs) that that I know is going to get go there. No, I I get it. I think that's where educating them and trying to talk to them and tell them the importance, like reiterating, 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 because I remember being that age, and, yeah, it gets kind of... Annoying, but I think at the same time, if the president would come out and just be like, you know, this is why we're doing it. This is what is Mm -hmm. important. This is why right, more leadership. Doing this. Yeah, no, thanks. I think yeah. that's and that's that is a fair comment. If I were to answer the question, the I, I don't. And again, I, I don't think in the real world that, that, that the numbers would have been dramatically different now than, than they, they are had the president, quote unquote, taken this more serious. I, I just I don't because I think most people. I think most people recognize this is serious, but the people that are making the decisions not to wear masks, I, I don't know if it's so much, oh, the president doesn't wear a mask or just, you know, we're, we're willing to take our risk. We, we think that, you know, we're, we're going to be fine. The number of people statistically who've been infected is still relatively low. If we maintain social distancing, it's not going to be that much of an issue. You know, those decisions, right or wrong, I think is what's going on here. But I, I do, there, there is no question that I think President Trump was slow to recognize how significant this this was, particularly up front. All right, uh, jam phone lines, but there's a lot of ground we're going to cover on today's program. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Hey, the votes are in, and now it's time to find out the winners. The Wisconsin Sports Awards are coming, and they'll be unlike any WSAs before. 
tune in September 28th as we broadcast the Wisconsin Sports Awards right here on 620 WTMJ. The ninth annual Wisconsin Sports Awards are presented by Gruber Law Offices, Cousin Subs, Potosi Brewing Company, and American Family Insurance. It all happens Monday, September 28th at 6 o'clock on WTMJ. Um, here's a text from Mike in Heartland. Uh, I'm sorry, we just hundred, literally hundreds of, of texts. I can't read them all. I apologize. Jeff, my son goes to Whitewater, and he is diligent with the virus. Everyone else blatantly disregard the importance of masks and distancing. He's afraid they're going to close school again. It's not the quote-unquote college experience he was looking for. It's sad. And, and I, I and I appreciate that. Um, I guess my only point is the fact that people are blatantly disregarding the importance of masks and distancing. It's not because they don't know that they should be doing it. It's not because you have an elected official that might not have been sending the right cues. It's because they're 22 years old and they want to go to the kegger and hang out with their friends and watch the different football games and stuff. It, it's kind of like yesterday when you had the, the Dane County executive come out and say, okay, we're, we're going to, the Big Ten is going to play football, but I, I don't want people watching it with other people, that watching the Badgers games with other people. And it's like, really? I mean, what, you know, what? it's just, you know, people are going to do that. You know, you, you know, folks are going to get together and and yeah, OK, maybe we should all be hunkering in our basement and stuff. But that's one of the reasons I keep coming back to the whole notion of we have to figure out how we can live with covid-19. And to me, that means concentrating our resources, especially among the people who are the most vulnerable and trying to do everything we can to keep them safe. To that point, um, you know, Joe Biden has been all over the map on on a national mask mandate. Remember? Uh, about a month or so ago, he came out and said, if I'm president, first thing I'm going to do is put in a national mask mandate. And then some people were asking, OK, well, where do you have the authority to do that as the president? And then he backtracked. He said, well, no, I probably don't. I will encourage you know that to happen. I believe in it, but I don't think I have the power. Then he backed off and reversed that, saying, no, I'm going to do it. And then yesterday in his town hall, uh, apparently he acknowledged now that, you know, no, I, I don't. I don't have the authority to mandate people wear face masks in public, which I think is the correct position to take. He does say, however, I'm going to try to set a good example. So to that extent, if you want to criticize the president, maybe you say he didn't set the best example. Would it have changed anything? Would we have been a different place now than we all are? I, I'm, I'm having trouble with that. Okay, when we come back, when we come back, no normalcy till the end of 2021? How are we going to handle that? We discuss. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. One of the reasons why I think you're seeing this spike in, in COVID numbers, not just in Wisconsin, but across the country, a, a lot of it is attributable to like younger people going back to college, et cetera, et cetera, and who are just throwing caution to the wind. But, but one of the other things I think is going on is the fact that for a lot of people, particularly people who aren't in the most at-risk groups, they, they are just kind of throwing caution to the wind, and they're saying, you know what, we're, we're willing to take this risk because – what, what I'm going to term pandemic fatigue has set in. People want, want to live their lives. And, and we are, we are a, a social 
we, we are social as human beings and, and people people want to go out and, and people want to interact with others and people want to have some sort of sense of, of normalcy. Now, I, I have this conversation a lot because one of the things that I liked my wife is a great cook, you know, and and of course during the the, the shutdown and stuff, we 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 would take carry out out once in a while, but you know, we we would eat at home a lot. Well, this summer we've we we go out a, a bunch, you know, and but I don't remember don't remember the last time I've actually eaten inside a restaurant. We we go out to restaurants, but typically we go out to restaurants where they have patio dining and we we sit, you know, outside and now some places have moved in heater and put in heaters and things like that. But you know, we're not inside the building where we eat outside. I have some some friends um who I, I, I see on a regular basis. There are some of our regular like dinner companions who who will not eat inside. Because they're concerned about this. They feel comfortable being outside on the patios and kind of control. And again, I'm not talking about where you've got 300 people piled into a patio that, that's got space for 50. I'm talking about, you know, the tables are separated and, but, but you're eating outside as opposed to inside. And one of the recurring conversations that we, we have, matter of fact, I had it with a couple I was with last night. Um, and I, and I know a couple I'm going out to dinner with tonight. I, I know how at least the husband feels about this. They, they're not comfortable going inside. And so it's like, all right, what are we going to do once it gets colder? Okay, it's fine in September and October, and you find those outdoor dining. We we all like to go out and socialize, but what you know, what's going to happen? You know, once you lose that ability to have that normalcy, you lose the ability to go to restaurants. Are you going to say, okay, well, I, I'm not necessarily sure I'm comfortable out doing this, but you know, I, I I'm I'd rather eat inside, so I'm going to I'm going to do it. Will people do that or will people just say, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to hibernate for several months. I mean, I was talking to one of my friends last night who, who is, is a gym rat. He, he's just in great shape and, you know, goes to the gym every day. And I was saying, okay, how many people are back at the, the gym, Joe? And he's like, well, he said, you know, at any given time, I'll go in and there might be five people. <laughs> and, and that's it. He said, no trouble getting on machines, et cetera, et cetera. Well, okay. It's, it's fine to do that. Um, for, for other people who, who are like used to working out and stuff, well, in the summer, it's okay. You can run outside. You can do those different things. You can bike. You can do all those alternatives. Well, once December rolls around in Wisconsin, are, are people going to, uh, again, decide, hey, we're, we're going to go back, even if we're not necessarily comfortable doing this with everything and all the precautions the gym has put into place, we're going to go ahead and do it anyways. And I, I think to the extent people answer that question, yes, it's because of pandemic fatigue, which brings me to a story in today's Wall Street Journal. Here's the headline, Dr. Fauci. That would be, of course, Anthony Fauci. Dr. Fauci says yesterday that there will be an end to COVID-19. Okay, now that, that's, that's a really good headline. Oh, great, there's going to be an end to um, COVID-19. Let me read you his, his full quotation. With a combination of a good vaccine Together with good public health measures, we may be able to put this coronavirus outbreak behind us the way we put the original SARS behind us. Um, He said, I think there will be an end to this and we will be able to get back to normal. All right. That's all really, really good news. Great. So then somebody asks the follow up that normal 
when does that when is that going to happen? When can we expect that? And he says, well, I think if we implement these measures, good vaccine, good public health measures, we could pave the way for a return to a, quote, reasonable form of normality, whatever that means, a reasonable form of of normality by the end of 2021. All right. Now we're here. It is mid-September of 2020. And he's saying maybe by the end of 2021, we can have a reasonable sense of normalcy. So that's, I think, best case scenario. He's talking about a year, um, anywhere from 12 to 14 months, we, we can return to normal. Our number is 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Here, here's what troubles me about this and what I want to discuss, I, I think, like I say, pandemic fatigue has set in for a lot of people now, and we're six months into this. Okay, Fauci is saying another year at least before we're able to, again, have some sense of normalcy. All right, w- will people tolerate that? And, you know, you might say, okay, what's, what's the alternative? Well, the alternative is that people just completely rebel and say, okay, we're, we're, we're done with this. We're, we're going to hang out in groups. We're going to have the tailgate parties. We're, we're going to, you know, have our, our parties. We're going to flock into the restaurants and, and bars. We're just tired of being told that we can't do these types of things and, and we're going to demand the normalcy even if we're risking our health. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A return to normalcy in a year, another year of this. Right? Will people put up with that? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We discuss in a moment. This week's sponsor for the Wagner Home Improvement Showcase presented by Great Midwest Bank is Miller Mobility for in and around home safety solutions. Check them out, MillerMobility.com. Okay, um, Dr. Anthony Fauci says, hey, there's going to be an end to COVID-19, and, and I think we could get to some reasonable sense of normalcy, n- normality, reasonable form of normality by the end of 2021. Okay, that's another year plus. All right. I think we already have pandemic fatigue. Are, are people are people going to follow these restrictions? Are we going to accept this for another year, or are people going to just say, "Hey, a- a- enough is enough. I, I want to go into that restaurant. I'm going to go into the restaurant. I'm I'm going to just take I'm going to take the risk because I want to go back to normal." Let's start with uh, Jackson and Tomahawk. Jackson, you're on WTMJ. Jason, I'm sorry, Jason and Tom Watt. Hi, Jason. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I, I don't think it's ever going to end. I think it's going to be before COVID and then the rest of time. I don't think we're ever going to get the herd immunity because people aren't going to take it, especially if Trump gets elected again. They're going to, oh, it's, he just pushed it through, not expecting these professionals to actually do their jobs that are coming up with these. Uh, vaccine. I don't think it's ever going to be over. Wow. So, I mean, do you think for the the rest of your life and my life and everybody who's listening to us, all the rest of our lives, it's going to be nobody in sporting events and nobody going back to gyms and and very few people eating inside restaurants? Is that what you think the future is going to look like? 
to, to some point, what I think is going to end up happening is people are just going to take the risk. Yes. They're going to say, ah, I'm going to go out and do it, but I don't think the vaccine is ever going to get rid of it because we'll never get to the 70% for herd immunity, and people just won't do it. Well, no. $1,000 to have people do it, I think, would be a good idea. Okay, thanks, Nicole. I mean, you're, you, we talked about that the other day. Should, should you pay people to take it? No, I, I, I think... <sighs> See, I do think that you're you're on to something. I, I think for every once in a while, I'll, I'll hear somebody say, okay, when do you think the schools re- should reopen? And and there was a representative from one of the teachers' unions somewhere who was saying, well, wait, schools should not reopen until there's no reported cases of COVID. Well, the truth is, I, then that means we're not going to have in-person schools for for the, the next 10 years because I don't think COVID is ever going to go away. I mean, I think COVID is going to be with us. The question is going to be, are all right. Uh, you know, do, do we get it to a point where you're not seeing 2,000 new cases in Wisconsin on a, on a given year? 855-616-1620. Jeff, I can't take this for another year. I'm burned on I'm burned out on it, which I think a lot of people are. In early 2021, I hope everything gets back to normal. Fans at ball games. I hope we have the festivals back. Um, yeah, Jeff, um, I, I don't. Um, okay, let's see. Uh, Jeff, uh, I'm 68, and as soon as I can get a vaccine, the better. It might not perfectly protect me, but it reduces the symptoms. I'll accept that from this moment on. I'm con- from that moment on, as far as I'm concerned, the pandemic is over. Jeff, it took me about two months for me to get completely fed up with it. I've been trying to live as normal as possible for the last four months, taking full advantage of any opportunity to dine, visit places, fly, etc., etc. Um, Jeff, 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 the Karens of the world were protesting to get their hair done four months ago so I could not travel out of the country because of selfish Americans who seem to have no self-control. The rest of the world is laughing at us. Well, now, the truth is, again, you're seeing huge spikes in Europe as well. It's not for anybody who thinks that this is a, an exclusive problem to the United States. Um you know, pick, pick up the New York Times, pick up the Washington Post, read the international section of the Wall Street Journal, and you'll see that a, a lot of European countries are are looking at going back, and they're 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 wrestling with okay, we we don't want to shut down the economy again because we damn near destroyed our economy when we did it, but now we're we're looking at ways because every, you're seeing these spikes everywhere, and I think part of it is uh, again what I'm describing is that that pandemic fatigue where you have people who just are, are reaching a point where they're they're willing to take these these various risks. I mean, I, I I was supposed to be off this week. This was the week of our of our cruise to Normandy, and it's it's been put off till essentially the same time you know next year. And somebody was asking me last night who who wanted to go and was asking if there was availability. And I and, and they said, well, what's the likelihood that you're going to do it and be able to go in September of 2021? And I said, well, I I'm assuming that there's I'm assuming that we're going to be able to go. I'm assuming that the country's going to be reopened and you'll be able to fly to France and you'll be able to get on the river cruises and things like that. I'm, I'm assuming that, but I guess I, I don't know that for sure. Uh, earlier this week, I, I got the notice from the Brewers, my best friend Evan and I, we, we share a 20-game season ticket thing. And you know, I got the season ticket renewals and we, you know, we... We we renewed the season tickets for our twenty game season package. I'm I mean I'm I'm hoping that by by next March or April opening day you know you're going to be able to go back to ball games. I'm hoping that. I mean I guess I don't know for sure. Maybe it's just the whole idea of hope springs eternal. The other thing is when, when you say what is normal, that's a fair question. I mean it is 
What what is our new normal going to look like? Um, September eleventh, two thousand one, changed normal in a lot of respects. If you flew on airplanes before September eleventh, two thousand one, you had a much different world than we've had since September eleventh, two thousand one. I so that that's a fair question as well. Steve, uh, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, how are you doing, Jeff? Real well, thank you. Okay, can we can we put up with this for another year? Well, I, I think your premise is wrong when you say uh, earlier you said, are people willing to put up with the risk? And I think that you're not really prefacing what the risk is. The risk is for a limited amount of people that are at high risk, 78% of our population is not at high risk. They're willing to get a cold or flu-like symptoms mm-hmm. that the data has shown that there's not long-term risk, there's not death, there's not heart disease, or not cardiomyopathy, right. American Academy PX, just children go to school. So kind of what you're saying, I, I don't believe. I think if you allow those at high risk that are truly high risk, have them stay isolated, the rest of the world could be back right now, back to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's been demonstrated in multiple events around okay. the U.S., if not the world. Okay, so your your premise would be, and I'm not arguing with you, I'm just, so you but your premise would be, okay, we, we see the, these headlines, 2,000 people testing positive in Wisconsin. The overwhelming majority of those are people who aren't in high-risk groups. So your premise would be it's not that big a deal. They're, they're going to get it. They're going to be better in a few days, and then they kind of move on with it. It shouldn't be a matter of concern. Correct. And I think one uh, people that will agree with you, Mitch Daniels is the, uh, the uh, uh, head of uh, Purdue University System, and he said that they're not following positives. They're following a number of illnesses in their university right. system number of hospitalizations. So, um, and I think that's what we need to follow. I think the positives has no bearing. I think if we weren't testing people randomly, we probably would have 90% less positives in Wisconsin, in, in the country probably. And you're saying if we, if we were, if we were just, if we were testing people who only showed showed symptoms um only had the high fever Correct. okay no thanks Correct. to god and i i think there there might be again some element of that that, that that's out there the idea that and I, I think that that ties back to what i was talking about with the pandemic fatigue the thing that i mean i think a lot of people are just simply saying we're willing to take that risk there i, I if you follow me on twitter it's at jeff wagner 620 i sent out a link yesterday to um a story in the wall street journal maybe it was 2 days ago where where the the premise was COVID is going to be with us for the foreseeable future. So what we have to do is figure out how to live with it. And the the premise of of the author was, let's concentrate our resources on protecting those who are most vulnerable. To Steve's point, the people who are most likely to have an adverse reaction if they get it. Understanding that, that yes, it's possible for a 19-year-old to get this and have a really, really bad reaction and maybe even die. But, But statistically, that's the lightning striking aspect. Whereas if you've got somebody who's 80 years old and has all sorts of other underlying problems, they get it. It's much more likely that it's going to be a very, very serious and very, very bad outcome. So the premise was, was, all right, if we want to get back to normalcy, what we'd really need to do is concentrate on protecting the most vulnerable and then letting the rest of us live our lives. I don't know. Um, boy, another year. Going to be a long year. This is Jeff Wagner. Let me 
mention again this this contest that we here at WTMJ in conjunction with our friends at Associated Bank are running, and I, I think it, it's it's really a cool deal. And I think sometimes people might hear this and you say, "Oh, there, there's got to be some catch here, or this is just this is really just some effort to sell me something." No, it it's it's not. That's not what it's designed for. I mean, here's the deal: Do you know? Do you own a local business, or do you know somebody who does? Well. One small business could win a $50,000 advertising campaign. And, and let me stop here. This isn't, it's not a come on to sell you timeshares or anything like that. It, it's, it is a legitimate promotion that we've worked together, come up with, with our, our friends at Associated Bank. News Radio 620 WTMJ is teaming up with Associated Bank to help local businesses grow and succeed through these challenging times. To nominate a company or a group, go to the website. It's got all the details, all the rules. It's called RebuildingWIBusiness.com. Now, the deadline is September 27th, which is coming up. With That's the end of next week. One deserving business. The winner walks away with an ad campaign valued at $50,000, $50,000. Um, the time is running out. Head to rebuildingwibusiness.com now for entry details and official contest rules. Associated Bank is a member of the FDIC. Okay, our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There are some people out there, and it doesn't matter whether you are a Trump supporter doesn't matter whether you're a Biden supporter, doesn't matter whether you're a supporter of the Green Party or Kanye West or whoever. There are some people out there who do not believe that the results of the election will be legitimate if their candidate loses. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. All right. Do you have faith in the electoral process? Are you concerned or are you sure that the results of this election are going to be, I don't know, rigged in some way, shape or form? That there's no way that Donald Trump can legitimately be reelected. There's no way that Joe Biden can. If Joe Biden loses, it's got to be because it was fixed. If Donald Trump loses, it's got to be because it was fixed. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Now, I, I believe, I believe that the election is honest. I, I do. But, but I will be honest with you. I, some of the things that, that I'm seeing here, Make it, we've got to figure out a better way to do stuff. Now, I've been carrying on for a while. I admit, I'm up on my soapbox. I, I, I'm up on my soapbox because in Wisconsin, for example, despite the fact that we are going to have probably over a million absentee or early votes that are cast, you, the clerk's offices under the law aren't allowed to start counting those ballots until the polls open up on Election Day. That means as a practical matter. It's probably going to be a day or two before you're able to know exactly, positively, who won Wisconsin, if the election is even close at all. Plus, because Republicans tend to vote more in person and Democrats tend to vote more by mail, what's going to happen is you're going to have these early results that might get reported showing Okay, Donald Trump ahead. And then as other ballots come in and get counted, maybe the Trump lead evaporates, disappears, whatever. That that promotes, I think, a lack of confidence. Story in the Wall Street Journal today, and these are the stories that make my head explode. A court in Pennsylvania has said 
Here's the deal. We, we Because there's going to be so many absentee ballots, our ruling is, regardless of what the state law in Pennsylvania, and Pennsylvania is going to be another one of these contested states, regardless of what the law says, here's the deal. As long as your ballot is postmarked by Election Day, November 3rd, as long as it's postmarked, then anything received through that next Friday um, is going to be counted. So um, as long as it's postmarked by November 3rd, you can, as, you know, if you if you get a postmark, for example, even after the polls close on November 3rd, as long as you've got a postmark, you know, you, you mail it in, it's going to be counted as long as it's received by the following Friday. So again, imagine this, this scenario. We want to talk about a nightmare scenario. Here, here's the deal. Let's say Pennsylvania, that they count all the early votes. Donald Trump wins Pennsylvania, 52 to 48, for the sake of my story. And then what happens is you have the, the mail-in votes that start to drag in Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And, you know, people are, are watching this, and the numbers go down and down and down, and suddenly it turns out that Joe Biden is ahead in Pennsylvania. Okay, people are going to be looking at that and saying, you know, well, what, what happened? Was this legit? Was it fixed? Whatever. We, we need a better way of of if we want to have a reliability in the system and i, I and i and i, I want to see that we, we we have to have some sort of standardization i mean as i was saying to steve scafidi earlier on today i remember i was on the air during bush gore 2000 when you know we, we had like day after day of people like looking for hanging chads to determine who won florida we could have a repeat of florida across 10 15 20 states this coming November, and that's not going to be good for the integrity of the system, or more importantly, people's trust in the integrity of the system. Okay, so do you believe that the results are going to be legitimate? Marcus on the north side. Marcus, you're first. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Great show as usual. Thank you. Uh, the, the, the only way that this is going to be legitimate is if one side wins by a substantial margin or the other, where the American public, even Trump, and Biden, they will accept the results of what it is. If it's something substantial that they can't overcome, where it's like, man, I just got wiped out by the Electoral College, then that's the only way. And my second point is that we need to get rid of the Electoral College itself. But uh, if if this election is close, and I went through that Gore-Bush yeah. uh, craziness, uh, no, I will not accept the results of the election. If this thing comes down to razor thin, I say for me, under five percentage points or a few electoral uh, votes, let's say Trump gets in by three or four, sneaks through, and, and all the votes are not in, but they, Trump is reelected, uh, you're going to have a firestorm. If Biden does the same, uh, then Trump is going to say, hey, I'm not leaving office until every nickel is counted. Yeah. Then we're going to have a constitutional battle. And uh, you tell me at that point. Uh, no, I know, Marcus. I, I just we're, we're, it's shaping up now. And, and this happened. Look, this happens all the time with elections. We're we're good. We're, we're good when the elections aren't close. You know, and if, if you have this election where, if it turns out in Wisconsin, for example, Biden Biden wins fifty five to forty five. Okay, on election night, he's ahead fifty five to forty five. Well, it, it's not going to make any difference. Okay, but. But that's not how Wisconsin elections tend to go. I mean, remember, remember two years ago when you had the Tony Evers Scott Walker election. You had Tony Evers was behind. I mean, when when most people went to bed, 
who were even the election junkies who were watching the race, Scott Walker was ahead. It looked like Walker had been reelected. And then suddenly, mysteriously, the city of Milwaukee turns up tens of thousands of ballots that have not been counted. Again, and I'm not alleging that they were fraudulent. It's just they're sitting there. They haven't been put through the machines. And so all of a sudden, after people think the election is over, you have all these other ballots that get put through the machine, and suddenly Evers ends up winning instead of Walker. That that Imagine that happening on on a state-by-state basis, and imagine what that's going to do to people's perceptions as to whether or not the, the, the system is going to work. Jeff, the election will be conducted honestly beyond question. If Biden loses, he will gracefully concede. If Trump loses, he will whine and complain, as he does with anything else that doesn't go his way. Um, Jeff, the post office admits they don't postmark all mail. Who determines if the ballot is counted? Well, that's that's Pennsylvania. But I mean, Pennsylvania says it's if it's postmarked by the third, it, it has to be counted. To me, that's just a, it's a recipe for, you know, absolute and total disaster. Jeff, if Trump loses, he will claim that the election was rigged. This in turn will cause his faithful supporters to lash out in some way. Um, Jeff, I have confidence that the election will be legitimate. What I fear is that regardless of who wins, many people who supported the losing candidate will be paranoid and presume corruption in the process. And as a nation will be more divided than ever, if Biden loses, I think there could be even more violence in the street. I think there's going to be rough times ahead following November 3rd. I'm not sure I disagree with that text. Um, I, I think there there is I, I think that, that there's a lot of people very, very passionate, maybe maybe more passionate than ever. And I, I know we, we say that about every election, but because President Trump is such a divisive force, and, and by that I mean there there's there there's no middle ground. I mean people either either love him or or hate him. Because he's such a divisive force among such a large chunk of the American public, I, I do think that there's this element. There's a lot of people who just don't believe that if if he wins again, it could possibly be legitimate. Or on the other side, if he loses, it, it has to be because the election was stolen. I do I, I just I, I wish we had more standardization. I, I think for people who say, well, it doesn't matter if we have to delay this day after day after day. You know, who cares if we have to wait a week to get the results? I'm telling you, that's good. As somebody who, like I say, lived through Bush Gore and was on the radio on a daily basis during the, the month after month that that went on, that this this already divided country, the worst thing in the world that could happen would be to have Florida play out on a on a multi-state basis. That would just be that would be dreadful, absolutely dreadful for the country and forever, whether it's Biden or Trump, whoever gets reelected uh, next time. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. If you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner 620. I'm going to send out a link to this that kind of summarizes what we've been talking about, what my legitimate concerns are. There's a piece, an op-ed piece today by Peggy Noonan, former presidential speechwriter. Um, let me just share 
portion of this with you. Um, get ready for an election crisis. That's the headline. Between bitter division and massive mail-in balloting, a normal vote would be a miracle. Let's talk about the terrible time America might be in for in the days and weeks, maybe months after the election. It starts with what is known. On election night, we probably won't know who won the presidency. The event we've been hoping would resolve things instead may leave them more mysterious. Um, here's what she says. As in the past, we'll know fairly quickly what happened in the voting booths. But because of the pandemic, an unprecedented number of Americans are expected to vote by mail. In 2016, about 25% of voters voted by mail. This year, it might be more than twice that, meaning all more than half of the ballots. It may be days or weeks before we know the mail-in results. Different states have different laws. Some count or certified mail-ins pretty much as they receive them and can report results with dispatch. Some begin to count mail-ins on Election Day. That's Wisconsin. Few or none have ever been engulfed as they will be this year. Another wrinkle, Republicans seem to prefer voting in person and Democrats by mail. NBC News has reported that 54% of those who lean Republican plan to vote in person on Election Day, while 71% of Democrats plan to vote by mail or early. Um, The newspaper reports that in North Carolina, Democratic voters requested 53% of absentee ballots, Republicans only 15%. Because of this, and this is really kind of a nightmare scenario, it's possible that on election night, there could be what looks like a solid margin in favor of President Trump, especially in the states that will decide the election. Maybe it won't be a red mirage, it's been called. Maybe it will single uh, signal a real and coming red wave. Or perhaps a big blue one will swell. Especially if the outcome is close, though, we won't likely know for days or weeks. Suppose a scenario. The president declares himself the victor before the victor is known. What a landslide. This is fantastic. The polls and pundits were wrong. Maybe it will be his supporters or family members who declare victory. And what if in the following days and weeks the count changes? What if on day 5 or 10 or 30 Mr. Biden looks like the winner? That's that general area when things could go very wrong. Yeah, I I, I tell you, we, we live in interesting times. We, we really do. But that's... That's one of the issues that we all have to be prepared for, that this kind of ever-changing thing. And again, election night 2018, lots of people went to bed thinking Scott Walker had been reelected. They woke up to find that, oh, we had all these ballots that hadn't been put through the system, and, and now you know Tony Evers wins. And, and people don't remember, I mean, maybe a lot of that controversy has gone away. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that there was any fraud in it. I'm just suggesting that, especially given how volatile these times are, the fact that we might not know who the next president of the United States is going to be for days or potentially weeks afterwards, especially given the personalities and especially given the temperament of some of the hardcore supporters of both Biden and President Trump, I, it's it's going to be a really rocky road out there. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, Rusty, before you leave, bail me out here on this one. Okay. Um, dur- during the one thirty news, Melissa probably had it right. I-, I I think she might have said W-I-A-C. I heard W-I-A-A. And, ah. and so we talked about that. And it- it's probably on me, but so I'll, but so we talked about that. But the, the, it is the W-I-A-C, which is the, the state college system. They're the ones that have canceled winter sports through 
through the end of the year, not yep. the WIA. It is not the ones that are Division One, which would be Madison, Milwaukee, right. Green Bay. It's your Eau Claire's, your Oshkosh's, right. your Whitewater. And it's not the high schools. It's, no. it's not the WIAA, which is the high school. So mm-hmm. um, I, that, that is what I heard. And so we, we talked about it for about 30 seconds. But so, no, it's, it's the colleges. So right now, high school basketball, no change in from what it was originally. Okay, got it. See, that's it. Just want to want to kind of clear that up. I, you know, that that's you know. Sometimes you kind of hear this stuff, and well, all right, turns out not to be right. Okay. Um, matter of fact, we were talking about that Peggy Noonan column. I sh- column I, I shared a portion of it with you. I, if you follow me on Twitter, it's at Jeff Wagner six twenty. I just sent out a link to the story. Um, and seriously, for those of us who thought that Bush Gore two thousand with the Florida hanging chads w- was a mess. I am afraid we haven't seen anything yet. Now, Jordan, I know that's before your time, but do you do you remember? You know, you know what I'm talking about when I say the hanging chads and stuff. That was in the year 2000, right? Yes, so I was six years old, so oh. not really, not as much, but I think I do remember the election day or election oh. night. Okay, well, I mean, for for people who might have not, and again, I appreciate that. Sometimes, you know, we we use these references. I I find that this happens to me from time to time. You know, you you use these somebody who has a, an historical memory. You know, I'll I, I'll, I'll talk about like Northridge and, and people. You know, it's fine if if you're my age or you grew up around here. You know what Northridge is. But I, I if you if you moved here for the last twenty years, you you do not know what this Northridge is. I, I speak of and I say, oh, this huge shopping center, and it was like Southridge was, and it's where if you grew up on the North Shore, it's where you went on weekends and had multiple movie theaters and all these different restaurants. And people will say, this place, this dilapidated thing that they're going to tear down. Yeah, that that used to be that this big thing. Okay, for historical reference, uh, George Bush. Running for election, this was the election to replace Bill Clinton. Al Gore was Bill Clinton's vice president. It was going to be a very, very close race. Matter of fact, it was a razor-thin race. And what happened is Florida, which was, as it turned out, if whoever won Florida was going to win the White House. And what happened with, with Florida is back then they, they used these, these punch card ballots where you you would have to you know like you take a pen or a pencil and you'd like punch a little hole kind of like it used to be if you were going to major league baseball and you were voting on the all-star team they used to give you these things and you'd punch little holes in them well okay so that that's how a lot of these ballots were in Florida and so what would happen is you would have um questions about whether or not somebody had actually punched for example, the, the the line to vote for Al Gore or to vote for George Bush, and and those little those little punch cards, a little tiny piece of like cardboard or paper that you punch through that little piece of the ballot that was called a chad, and then you'd have the these hanging chads like. So it would be kind of punched out or at least be partially punched through, but it wasn't all the way punched through. And you'd have, I mean, they'd show like these election commissioners sitting there. There's a very famous picture about one guy and he's got his glasses on and he's like scrutinizing a ballot that he's holding up in his hands. And they're trying to figure out, okay, was was this an actual vote or not? It was just a complete and total mess. Uh, It is entirely possible given all the early voting and the absentee voting and the fact that, you know, the, the election results may, in fact, swing back and forth. That could be one side wins decisively. I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. But, I, you know, it, like I say, if you think Bush Gore 2000 
was a mess. And trust me, it was a mess. I'm afraid that we have not seen anything yet. And again, if you want to check out the Peggy Noonan column, column you can follow me on Twitter. It's at Jeff Wagner 620. Okay. When we talk about a return to normalcy, whatever that's going to mean with, with coronavirus, one of the assumptions is that there is an effective vaccine. Now, the problem is not everybody's going to get vaccinated. People are, go- are going to make a choice to, to not get vaccinated. That's number one. And secondly, even with vaccinations, it, it's, it's not 100% effective. You know, there, there's going to be, you know, maybe it's going to be 70% effective. Maybe it's going to be 60% effective. I got the flu shot this year. Okay, I get the flu shot every year. <clears throat> I got the flu. I got tested. Yeah, I, I had influenza. Now, okay, now the good thing about it, was I, I really only had bad symptoms for about a day. So I, I'm a firm believer that even though I got the flu, it, it helped minimize the severity of the symptoms. I was nowhere near as sick as I've been other years where I've ended up getting the flu. But it, it's not going to be perfect. But if we're going to try to get to herd immunity, you need to get a, a large number of people who are are going to get the shot. And yet we know that there's a lot of people out there, for whatever reasons, who aren't going to get it or aren't going to get it until maybe it's been around for a couple of years because the vaccinations have been politicized. And there's people who say, well, if, if something comes out, I don't trust the government because President Trump has been trying to rush this through, so it's probably not going to be safe. Or there's other people who say, I don't trust the government, period, because, well, whatever. So we're we're not going to have, I think, everybody agree to get a vaccination, which brings me to what I want to talk to you next. All right. Obviously, COVID-19 has been a big deal for employers, We have lots and lots of employers who have closed down their offices and aren't allowing employees back in. People are are working from home. Northwestern Mutual here, I think their offices are closed down, essentially, for all but a few workers until the beginning of next year. Our our studios here, other than the on-air people and our producers and a couple engineers, we the rest of my teammates aren't allowed to come in the, the building. I think they're looking at trying to start to bring people slowly back in maybe next month sometime, but only even then only a couple days a week. So, you know, we're, we're seeing that as well. The reason behind that is the employers are, are trying to limit people's exposure to other people and therefore limit the, the spread of, of this disease. Okay. So let's say, that a couple months from now, you, you get a vaccine that's approved by the FDA, and we get the go-ahead. Let's say it's January of next year, just for the sake of argument. You get the go-ahead. All right, let us say that your employer says, as a condition of employment, you need to be vaccinated unless you can demonstrate that there is a medical reason, unless you can come in and you can prove that and I don't know, because you have adverse reaction to vaccinations or something like that, unless you can prove that there is a health risk to you, we expect you, as a condition of employment, we expect you to get vaccinated. Now, they already do that in, in hospitals with the flu shots. I mean, if you work, if you work in, a, in a hospital or in the medical industry, um, you know, you... You know, they tell you if you want to work here, you got to get a vaccination. And, you know, unless you've got a medical reason, you, you otherwise you, you do. All right. My question is, 
if your employer were to tell you as a condition, we, okay, we want you back in, but as a condition of coming back into the workplace, you've got to get one of these COVID vaccines. Do you do it? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And if your employer says, okay, if you choose not to get that vaccination, don't come back. You know, your, your job, your job is gone. Would that change how you react? Should employers have a right to force you to get a vaccination? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. You know, my answer is, I think it's tough to enforce, but if employers feel that that is important to keep the safety of the workplace intact, I think employees better get ready to, to get vaccinated. 855-616-1620. We discuss in a minute. What would you do? If you're on the line, please hold on. 855-616-1620. Um, and my question is, if a vaccine is developed and when a vaccine is developed, what about the employers in the workplace who say, okay, as a condition of coming back, unless you can prove that there's a medical reason not for you to, for you not to do this, we expect you to be vaccinated. I mean, hospital medical personnel face this with the flu shots every year. Um, Jeff, I would. I think the cost to keep all safe would be great um, because a small fraction would not. Jeff, I don't think they should make people get a flu shot. Well, we, we do, at least in the medical field. They you work in a hospital or a doctor's office. It is not uncommon to be told that you have to get a flu shot. Um, Jeff, the problem you're going to run into right now is that businesses are struggling to hire anybody, this would make it even harder for them to keep the people that they have. Jeff, to keep America strong, I would do this. Jeff, I would sue. How can anybody enforce me to inject something into my body, especially back a vaccine that was rushed to make? Well, I mean, the argument is you're, you're not being forced to do it. You're, you know, you, you can decide whether you're going to get the vaccine or not, but your employer says as a condition of your employment, you, you got to do it. You, you don't have to do it, but don't expect to come in here and, and work if you don't have um, that. Um, and then, Jeff, it would depend on who the president is. I think it's political. I think Trump simply doesn't care about the American people. All right, 855-616-1620. Let's start with Marsha in McGuanago. Marsha, good afternoon. Hi. Hi, Marcia. So um, I've been in the healthcare field for a long time, and I have been tested for multiple things. And um, when you get down to it, if depending upon what portion of healthcare in, you're in, some places do require it. But ultimately, you have the decision to work for that company or right. not, and they shouldn't have the um, ability to say to you what goes into your body and what doesn't go into your body. Because at that point, I mean, what what else are they going to put into your body, number one? And number two, if you can be hired or fired based on age, race, sex, why is it not also medical? Yeah, well, that, I mean... You know, we have Disabilities Act. Yeah, well, see, that's what you would probably have to do. I mean, I guess... It, maybe it's it's and again I'm trying not to play a lawyer on the radio here. You, you I guess the question would yeah. be could you could you could you fashion some claim under the Americans with Disabilities Act or something like that? But it, 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 short term, Marsha, if your employer said, "Okay, Marsha, they've got this vaccine. Um, we we want you to take it as a condition of employment," would would you do it? Your answer is no. You wouldn't. No. Got it. I oh. would not. 
Okay, no, th- thanks for calling. And again, that that's the individual choice. And again, there there might be uh, again there might be claims that you could file under the Americans with Disabilities Act. Perhaps that's something there. Um, uh, maybe Title Seven. You could say that. Um, if if it would object, if it would conflict with your sincerely held religious beliefs, I mean, there might be ways to threaten litigation. But as a general rule, I, I think employers probably have a right to do it unless if they if they choose to. So my question is, if your employer mandated it, would you? Jennifer in Waukesha. Jennifer, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. I would definitely not take the vaccine, and I don't think it should be mandated from the employer because... We don't even know the long-term effects of right. this vaccine. Would it make any difference in your mind on, on the nature of what your profession is? Say, would you treat a health worker differently than somebody who's, I don't know, you know, hauling boxes at an Amazon plant or something like that? No, I don't think there's a difference. I think everybody should be equal on that and not be forced into something, putting something into their body Again, because we don't know any effects of this, mm-hmm. and I just don't think people should be forced to put something in their body like right. that. Um, so from the perspective of the employer, if the employer says, well, yeah, but this has been approved by the FDA, it's safe, and our, my concern, Jennifer, is I don't want you coming into the workplace when you're sick and infecting you know, other people who haven't been vaccinated or whom the vaccination doesn't work, I think you're putting those people at risk, and I don't want to do that. I mean, does, that, does the employer have any right to be concerned about other people that you might be working with? Definitely. I do think that they should be concerned with that. But I don't know how that would work with the mandate. I just don't feel like it's something... They should have the right to mandate. Got it. Okay. Because yeah. you're going to lose your job over it. That's that's a big deal. Right. No. Thanks. Well, and that and that's and that of course is. I mean that that's the conundrum. I love that word. That that's the thing that that healthcare workers face a lot now. You know, if you work in the hospital and you're told we we expect you you're you're a you're a surgical nurse, we expect you to get the flu shot every year. And you say, well, I just don't I don't believe in the flu shots. I don't like to get the flu shots. They tell you too bad. You know, and unless you've got some medical reason for opting out, not going to happen. Let's talk to um, Robert in Pewaukee. Robert, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, Robert. What do you think? Yeah, I, I, I am forced to because I am a healthcare worker. The problem that I have with this is, is a COVID nineteen vaccine comes around, it's rushed in what eight less than eighteen months, and it's going to be injected. Okay, now you look at what's happened with some of their testing. They're seeing some of their test samples. They're finding problems with neurological issues now. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, they stop that. Okay. I get this because I'm mandated. Something happens to me. Do I get to turn around and file a lawsuit because it's harmed me because I was forced to because I wanted to keep my job to pay for my mortgage, put my kids through school and stuff? Well, um, and, and again, you, you mean anybody can sue anybody. I, I think it would probably be difficult to recover. So let me ask you a practical matter. Okay, that, that you're in the healthcare wor- situation. That that's exactly the the thing. We, we get a we get a vaccine that's approved by the FDA next March. Healthcare workers are some of the first people that end up having this. Your employer says, Robert, you got to have it. Do you take it or not? Well, you know what? I like. I don't mind my job. I enjoy what I do, but. I don't agree with it, but 
I bite the bullet getting the flu shot every year also. Yeah, yeah. No, and I... like I said, it, it's just, where where's the line to an employer right. telling you you have to, and where's my right as a individual? To say no, no, thanks. I, I, I understand, and it's, I don't have a great answer for it. I mean, I think... Uh, I, I think that the general rule is employers, just like with the flu shots, they can make you get it. Now, there there might be some exceptions to that, and there might be different claims that people could end up raising. I bring this up because it's something to think about, because I do think there's going to be more and more employers um, who do precisely this. Once there is a vaccine, they say, hey, it's a condition of coming back into the workplace you're going to need to have that vac- that vaccine. And then it's going to raise the issue about what do people do. Back with more in just a minute. It's time now for Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Put aside the heavy lifting and call the AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And now, here is Jeff Wagner. Yeah, like the big voice guy says, this is what we do this time every Friday afternoon. We do put aside the heavy lifting. And I understand there's, believe me, I understand there's all sorts of really significant earth-shattering things going on in the world. But I always like to try to send you into the Friday, into the good weekend with kind of a smile on your face as we talk about things from various pop culture worlds. Typically, what happens is there'll be something that occurs during the week or something that's going to happen that kind of tickles my fancy. And I hope that you will find it interesting as well. Okay, this week. Jordan, producing the show today, done an excellent job. Lots of phone calls and stuff. Take 20 bucks out of petty cash and tell me, <laughs> do you know what's going to happen this weekend? Do you know what happens Sunday night? I have no clue. The Emmy Awards, the 2020 Emmy Awards, which are, do you, do you know what the Emmy Awards are? It's music, right? <laughs> okay. All right. Put put ten of that twenty dollars back right there. No, no. <laughs> I probably won't be watching. Well, if if you don't know what they are, that that's probably that. See, I was I was going to give you a pass on well, that. Like Fifty-fifty that... shot, right? Either music or movies. Well, no, you're you're wrong. I'm on... wrong again. Oh man, I feel bad now. I don't. That's okay. That's okay. That's what I'm here for. The Emmy Awards. <laughs> God, television. The Emmy Awards are the big awards. Movies are Oscars, and music is the Grammys, and Emmys are TV. So Sunday night, big, the the Emmy Awards. Now, they're unlike other years because they're they're going to be all virtual. I think Jimmy Kimmel is the host. And what the way I understand that, you know, normally you have all the stars that come in and they walk the red carpet and stuff. That's not going to happen. Apparently what they did is they they sent out, like, like cameras to all these, like 130-some nominees, and they're all going to be, like, setting up. It's going to be a virtual Emmy Award, so they're, like, going to be setting up their cameras in their homes. So when they, they say, and the winner is Jordan, who didn't know what the Emmys are, um, you know, you get to, they, they click on you, and you get to make your acceptance speech from your own home. So it's going to be unlike any any Emmys in the past. But the bottom line is the Emmy Awards honor on our television. Now, I was looking at the... Uh, the award nominees. And one of the things that you really notice is that if you are, if you're somebody who, who does not have cable television, if you're somebody who, who watches the over air, the over the air channels, the ABCs, the NBCs, CBS, and, um, you know, Fox or whatever, if that's what you watch, you're not going to know most of the most of the shows that win. I mean, the vast majority of shows that are nominated are, are shows that are either on cable 
or in many cases, streaming service. Netflix has a whole bunch of them. Then you've got a lot of the, the pay cable, the HBO stuff as well. I mean, if, if you, if you're just watching like regular TV, you're not going to know any of the shows and you're going to say, why did that show win that award? But, it is there are interesting shows that are out there but you know there have been interesting television shows for a long time and i thought in recognition of the tv emmy awards coming out we would spend a segment on pop culture corner today talking about the world of television if you are like me you you grew up with tv as your electronic babysitter and i, I obviously if you're listening to me you have a love for radio and i appreciate that you probably also have a love for television as well. I thought what we would do for Pop Culture Corner today is I, I can't, I'm not going to ask you what show should win the Emmy Awards for the best show this year because chances are you probably haven't seen a lot of the shows that are up for the best awards, but you have watched television over the years, so here's what we're going to do for Pop Culture Corner. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Your ultimate Emmy Award. The best television show ever it can be a comedy it can be a drama i guess it can be a reality tv show it can be a variety show it could be something that airs now it could be something that aired in the 1970s or aired in the 1960s or i don't know maybe aired in the 1950s your call the best television show ever the ultimate emmy award who is the winner we're back to discuss in just a minute, 855-616-1620. And as I always say during these segments, our phone lines tend to jam up, so please call early. I want to get to as many calls as I possibly can. And don't overthink this. I mean, just go with your first instinct. Okay, back with your calls in just a moment, 855-616-1620, which is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is Jeff Wagner's Pop Culture Corner. Now back to Take Your Calls. Here's Jeff Wagner. The Emmy Awards, which recognize outstanding television, is Sunday night. We're having our own little Emmy Awards, the best TV show ever, ever. The ultimate Emmy goes to who? Jeff and Fox Point. Jeff, good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. Mine is Breaking Bad because it was awesome all the way through. It left us wanting more. And then when we did get more, it was still awesome with both the movie and the spinoff. And that's usually not the case when TV shows try to do that. Yeah, you know, and the, the thing about Breaking Bad is it, it's another one of these shows that's timeless. I mean, I I can I probably watch the whole series through and through like every two years, you know, and it's kind of fun to go back. And you you it, it's so well done that even though you know what's going to happen in it, it still it, it still holds your attention. It's not just addictive with the content, but it also it's addictive for me whenever it's on like reruns. Yeah, no, thanks. No, there's no question about it. I mean, Breaking Bad is up there. I mean, I think I would put it in the same category as uh, I don't know the the HBO series The Wire, which um, it, it was, is just incredibly well done. And uh, as somebody who was a drug prosecutor, it's a very very accurate depiction of the way investigations ran back at that particular point in time. I think a couple of the seasons were hit and miss. Uh, the Sopranos, I think The Sopranos is one of the best TV shows ever in the Breaking Bad theme. I, I think The Sopranos suffers from one of those things. I think it, it probably could have ended a year or two sooner because they thought they repeated themselves, but still just great. 855-616-1620. The Emmy goes to Mark in Waukesha. You're in WTMJ. <laughs> uh, you're going to think I'm nuts. But uh, Monty Python's Flying Circus. Okay, now, <laughs> it, you know, it'd have to be a lot weirder than that for me to think that you're nuts. Tell me why you love Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was 
truly entertaining, and I do love the uh, British sense of humor. Yeah. And uh, I really, I didn't really want to stick around for any, you know, TV series shows or whatever. And I could pick up anywhere on that and just be as insane. Right. No, it's 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 interesting. I, I always see Monty Python is one of those things that you you either. There's many things in life that you either get or you don't get. I'm a big Jimmy Buffett fan from the world of music, but I understand it's kind of a cult. You either get Jimmy Buffett or you go, oh my God, it's Margaritaville. I, you know, you either get it or you don't, and and that's cool. I understand that. Monty Python is like that as well. I had a very close friend in high school who's, who's still a friend of mine. He's a he's an eye surgeon now in Indiana, but he loved Monty Python, and he he would do all the lines from the different Monty Python skits that they would do. And I admit I just didn't get it. But I but 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 my friend, his name is Jeff too. He he just absolutely loved that. Okay, let's talk to James in Watertown. James, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, the best T V show of all time is hands down gotta be the Dukes of Hazard. <laughs> oh, how political Friday night, hey. How politically Never incorrect of you. you know, the General Lee with the Confederate flag on the top and Daisy Duke Excuse wearing the me, politically Correct. No way, man. There ain't no way. That's the best one around. Thanks for calling. No, go. Thanks for calling. No, the Dukes of Hazard. I I understand it. It's just. I mean, the ultimate, the ultimate show of the ultimate politically incorrect show there that to the point now that they can't even show Dukes of Hazard reruns on some shows because on some networks because people might get offended. Gianni in Montello, you're in WTMJ. Hey Jeff. Hi, the Emmy goes to, uh, the 1972 Emmy goes to Carol O'Connor, Gene Stapleton, Rob Reiner, and Sally Struthers. It all in the family. Yeah, that was really I, a trans, I, that, that was an incredible, that show, up until the time they came out on, with that on CBS in the early 70s, CBS was the Beverly Hillbillies and Petticoat Junction and Green Acres and things like that. And all of a sudden you've got the topical humor of, of Archie Bunker and all. That, that was really a trend setting show. Yeah, and Carol O'Connor actually was the antithesis of, of Archie Bunker. I mean, he was no clone of William F. Buckley. Right. So, <laughs> no, no, um, that, that, no, there's no question. All in the family. And, and I mean, I don't know. I mean, All, all in the Family is in the 70s. I, I know they still show reruns of it now. I, I don't understand. I don't know if, if people who, who were watching it, who just picked it up in the last, 15 years, for example, I, I think people say, well, what's what's kind of the big deal about this? It's just kind of this loud mouth and it's really uh, the, this, this loud mouth character and it's people yelling at each other. But it really was kind of transformative because there wasn't anything on television like that. Let's talk to Paul calling us from Illinois. Paul, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, hi, Jeff. Hi, Paul. It's so left, but to watch I Love Lucy, my gosh, Lucy Ball was the best. Yeah. Yeah, it, you know, it, it, thanks. For, it's funny. It's funny that you mentioned I Love Lucy because sometime in the last week, as I was channel surfing, it was on one of these obscure cable channels. It might have been Reels, whatever. But they had a they had a, a retrospective on on Lucille Ball, and it, it, I, I, I got sucked into it, and it was just amazing what a what a talented person she was. And it talked about not just her, her role as the comedian and the character on, on, on I Love Lucy, but how that kind of revolutionized the industry and how it changed the whole notion of, of sitcoms. They, they did them in front of a live audience and, and how, I mean, people forget she and her husband, Desi Arnaz, they, they bought, they bought the old RKO film studio and they created Desi Lou and, and she was, for a time, she was the first 
and certainly the most powerful woman in in leading the, the TV industry. Um, she was a real trend center, trend trend setter. Judy in Manitowoc. Judy, you're in WTMJ. Hello. Hi, hi. Um, National Parks documentary by Ken Burns. Okay. I think it was like a two part series, and it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, you know, it started about the inception. Uh, of the state parks, how they got started. Roosevelt, I think, was starting it, and then uh, Gaylord Nelson and the other right. environmentalists. And it was beautiful scenery, just beautiful. Okay, well, I, I'm a big fan of of Ken Burns' stuff. I think, uh, I mean, of course, he, he came to fame. His big thing, his first thing, at least, was the Civil War, which was just an incredible documentary, and he's done a number of them since then. Okay, let me see. The Emmy goes, let me get some texts. Um, the Sopranos and Mannix. Huh, with Mike Connors. That's a show from back. Jeff, Miami goes to Hill Street Blues. Yes, I I loved Hill Street Blues. Without Hill Street Blues, there wouldn't have been a, a um uh, there would not have been a, a Sopranos. I don't think there would have been a Breaking Bad. You know, um, Hill Street Blues and then Saint Elsewhere. Um, they were they were just groundbreaking TV shows. Now I, I've gone back and I've watched some of them. You know, years later, I, I'm not sure how well they hold up, but they were still just absolutely tremendous. Steve, um, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. Hi uh, my Emmy goes to my Emmy goes to Seinfeld without a doubt. Yeah. Some of those shows I can watch them hundreds of times, and they still crack me up. You know, the amazing thing about, Steve, about Seinfeld is, I, I admit, when it was first on, I, I thought it was funny, but I, I didn't I didn't think it would last. I didn't think it had legs. I thought it was just so so New York and and so, like, topical. But I, I was wrong. I mean, 25 years later, those shows are just as funny now as they were when they first aired. And it doesn't matter if you've seen them six or seven times. You still laugh when Kramer comes running in. Right, and I agree with you what you said about New York. I thought, oh, this is New York. I want nothing to do with it. But after watching them a few times, it's classic comedy. As as one writer put it, uh, Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld are the Lennon and McCartney of comedy, and I I really believe they are. Yeah, no, I I think you're right. You know, it's interesting. I was reading, I was watching a making of of Seinfeld, too. They were also, what, what, what what they would do, and Larry David, what they would do is they would hire the, these writers, and, and most of the writers were only with the show for like a year because they'd come in and, and they, they'd have X number of like funny experiences that they had from living in New York, and then they'd they'd write those, and then they were kind of out of ideas. But Seinfeld, definitely great. Um, let's see, a number of people, the Andy Griffith Show, Bob Newhart, yes, um, number of people, uh, Big Bang Theory, The Shield. Yeah, that, that The Shield... Um, I don't know how many people saw it. Ran for six or seven years, but The Shield absolutely outstanding. It's a really, really dark police drama. Understand dark, but very, very good. Justified. I like Justified a lot. Um, you can't mention Justified with Timothy Oliphant unless you also mention Deadwood, which I thought was a great show. West Wing. Oh uh, yeah, the thing about West Wing, why that was so good, is because even though it was this sort of political dream world for the left. Even if you're conservative, you could watch it. You could go, boy, the performances were great. Mary Tyler Moore show, Quantum Leap, MASH, 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 MASH. Lots of people saying MASH. Friends, there you go. You got friends. Anyways, you get to decide your own. The Emmy goes to who? And, and yes, the Emmy Awards like never before, are going to be on television on Sunday night. They're doing it virtually. We'll see how that works. When we come back, we're going to find out what Eric Bilstadt has on his mind for Wisconsin's Afternoon News.